0: Elvis from the blog stories of an unschooling family welcome to my podcast this is episode 87 and today I want to talk about social media especially Facebook I have some blog news some family news and I want to talk about the Catholic radical unschool Cheese That might make a good title for this episode. Well, it's been a long time since I last sat down and got my mic out and started talking to myself in my bedroom. Yes, I think the last episode that I made, episode 86, I probably made that at the end of November last year. And since then, we've been enjoying a long, hot summer. It has been the official school holidays here in Australia. Those holidays last about six weeks. And my husband, Andy, who is a school teacher, he goes back to work on Friday. I'm recording this on Wednesday. So I guess our lives are about to change again. We're slipping into a new season of our unschooling year. I suppose that's why I've been thinking about this podcast, time to get the mic out, get back to work. In some ways, it's really difficult to get back to things, and I've been thinking about what I really want to do this year as far as blogging and podcasting goes. But I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in this episode, because I think I'm going to start by telling you what's been going on on my blog stories of an unschooling family. Because though I haven't been podcasting, I have been blogging. I've been writing a post here and there. And the last few posts that I wrote were actually basic unschooling type posts. I guess I was inspired by the beginning of the year. You know that feeling you have at the beginning of a brand new year. Is it time to make some resolutions, some goals for the year? Maybe it's a good time to examine what's working and what's not working. Make a few changes. Yes, when the new year begins, sometimes we stop and we have a think about what we really want to do with the year. I remember last year, my first podcast of the year. I sort of dragged my feet as I got back to the mic. I didn't feel very excited about podcasting, But I thought, maybe it's not podcasting itself, which is the problem. Maybe it is just getting back into the swing of things. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to do that. We get used to doing other things. Being a bit lazy over summer, maybe. But anyway, back to that episode. Now, I can't remember what number it was, but it was about a year ago. And partway through the episode, I suddenly wanted to tell everybody... Everybody who has been thinking about unschooling, to give it a go. A brand new year. Maybe it's time for a new start. And so on my blog a couple of weeks or so ago, I had the same feeling. I wrote a post urging everybody to have an unschooling experiment. Yes, try it out. Be courageous because we never know what might happen if only we have the courage to move from the path that we are on, which may be not the right path, because sometimes I think we know when we're not doing the right thing. But we continue doing it because it is the easier thing to do. Maybe the safer thing. Unschooling might sound a bit frightening, a bit scary. So yes, I wrote a post called "The An Unschooling Experiment. Afterwards, I was thinking about how I used to flit from one homeschooling method to another. I would try Charlotte Mason for a while and then move on to something else like unit studies or classical homeschooling. And then I would try something for a second time or even maybe a third time. And then eventually we found our way back to unschooling. And after writing my post called An Unschooling Experiment, I begin to wonder, what makes unschooling different from Charlotte Mason and classical homeschooling and all the other different types of homeschooling? Why should I urge you to give it a go? You might just think it's just another alternative. Some of the other ones you've tried, they haven't worked. Why should unschooling work when they haven't worked? And this led me into some thoughts about what unschooling really is. I came to the conclusion that it is a very natural way of learning. It's the sort of learning our kids do before they go to school. And it's the sort of learning adults do once they escape from school. And I wonder, if we didn't even consider school, if there was no such thing as school, would our children continue to learn in a very natural way? Would they learn all they need to know? So I explored this topic. And while I was exploring it, I did return to that thought. Unschooling is very different from the other homeschooling methods. I say other homeschooling methods. I have come to the conclusion that it isn't a homeschooling method. It's a natural way of learning, as I said. So this is what makes it very different. We're not imposing a system of learning upon our children. We are just trusting that they will learn. They are curious people. They will learn all they need to know when they are ready to learn it. We don't have to tell them what they need to know. We don't have to make them learn it. We don't have to find a way that will make learning palatable for them. All we have to do is provide a rich and stimulating environment for our children nurture an atmosphere of learning for the whole family be encouraging learn ourselves be excited about everything in the world keep our children's love of learning alive so that they don't get to the stage where i got to when i was a child where i hated learning i didn't like doing things that other people told me i had to do and i remember when i finished school or maybe it was when I finished university because I didn't really want to do that either, I remember throwing all my books into the garbage and saying, nobody is ever going to make me learn anything ever again. Yes, my love of learning had died. It took a long time for it to reappear. Of course, these days I'm very, very excited about learning. And so are my children. In my blog post titled, Why Unschooling Isn't Just Another Method of Homeschooling, I included a Sandra Dodd quote. She once described an unschooling day as the best ever Saturday, the day children dream about when they're stuck in school. I can relate to that having to go to school Monday to Friday and doing what everybody else wanted me to do, but dreaming of the weekend, dreaming of the things I really wanted to do, the things that were important to me. My daughter Sophie said a few weeks ago that she is glad that we are not structured homeschoolers. She said that she had been talking to a friend of hers who has to do her schoolwork, first and then is allowed to do what she wants to do. And Sophie said, if I had to do schoolwork like my friend, there wouldn't be time for all the things that I am interested in, the things that are really important to me. So she is really thankful that we're unschooling. She is glad that she can have a best ever Saturday every single day of the week. Yes, just imagine never having A typical Monday to Friday, waking up every single day of the week and feeling excited, anticipating what the day will bring, not having that dreaded feeling that you've got to go out there and do your schoolwork, doing things we don't want to do. I know that a lot of people would argue that children have to do certain things. They should be made to do things they don't want to do. It's good for them. Why should they have every day as a best ever Saturday? Surely that's not good for them. Nobody in this world gets to do what they want to do every single day of their lives. And so maybe unschooling isn't a good preparation for our children's future. Perhaps it's not good to give our children a too happy life. Is there such thing As being too happy. Adding too much joy to our days. Well, I think that, contrary to what most people think, unschooling children do do a lot of things that they'd rather not do. They choose to do them because it's the right thing to do. They have their freedom to do whatever they like, and they can choose to take on tasks, to do things for other people, Uh, To do hard things for themselves even. Things that do involve a challenge. Things that aren't particularly enjoyable. They choose to do them because they know that that is the right thing to do. They do things out of love. They do things because they feel it's good for themselves, for their development. So I don't really think that we need to force our kids to do things that they don't want to do. It is much better that they are motivated from within to do those kind of things. I've spoken a lot before about how our children come to get that sense of right and wrong within them and how they know when they are doing the wrong thing and when they should push themselves and do the better thing. It's a lot to do with our example, our guidance, because, of course, unschooling isn't just about stepping back and letting our kids get on with whatever they're doing by themselves. We have to be there, not peering over their shoulder, not interfering, but knowing when to offer our help, when to talk about things with them, when to include them in our lives so they can see our example, all those types of things. Unschooling children will choose to do difficult things. They will choose to do things don't particularly want to do. So I have no problem with that. I don't think that structuring our homeschooling, structuring their education is beneficial for that reason. But what about making our children's lives more joyful? Looking for ways to make our days more happy, treating our children, maybe watching movies together instead of working, sitting around and drinking coffee, going to the movies going on picnics, buying something special that our children have had their eye on for some time, looking for little ways every day to show them that we love them and we care about them and that they're very special, even stopping and giving them a hug every now and then, will we end up spoiling our children by making their lives too happy? Because life isn't all happy, is it? Is it a disservice to our children to bring them up in an atmosphere where they know lots of happiness? I've been thinking about this too, and I've come to the conclusion that, despite all our efforts, we can't make every single moment of our children's lives happy. There are some things that are out of our control. Things just come along and interrupt the happiness of our days. They come unbidden. Some of the things are big things. For example, my children had to witness and grieve over the death of a brother some years ago. They've witnessed my husband losing his job and the worries that come with that. We've moved multiple times. Where will we live next? Will we find a home that's big enough that we can afford? All the work that's associated with moving. There are other things in our lives like that that we never thought would happen. They just came along. And then because we aren't perfect people, every day can't be perfectly happy. There are times when we get irritable, overtired, when we just don't want to do the right thing. But we can make as many moments of our children's days as joyful as we can. And I think we ought to do that. Because when something big does come along, it's the happy times, the happy memories, the bonds that we have forged during those happy times that will help us through the difficult ones. Joyful times give us hope. They move us forward through all the hard days. They lead us back to joy again. At the very least, when we are in a difficult time and if we see no end to it, At least we don't look back and say, I wish that we had done more with our children. I wish if we had made more of the happy times. Living each moment with as much joy as we can will lead to no regrets. I tried to put all that into words the other day as a blog post. I got myself all muddled up and my words were dull. I don't know if I've done any better sitting here with the mic and just talking off the top of my head. I hope you understand the points that I am trying to make. Yes, sometimes words are difficult to find. Sometimes I want to give up. I want to say, I don't want to blog ever again. It's too much hard work. I especially don't want to blog anymore. When I go to other people's blogs and see loads and loads of comments, that are very negative about unschooling. People saying, don't unschool, it's a bad thing to do, you will regret it. It's irresponsible. And I think to myself, look, the unschooling voice is so small, everybody else's voices are very big and I want to give up the struggle to spread the word about unschooling. Yeah, just turn off, focus on my own family. And maybe I have said enough already. My blog is full of information about unschooling. But something keeps me going, and I'm sitting here again talking about unschooling. This is actually the second version of this podcast, episode 87, I recorded the first version, oh, maybe a week and a half ago. I got it all recorded, started editing it, and then something went wrong with my computer. One of the hinges on the computer lid collapsed. And then when I tilted my computer to one side, I could hear the fan inside grating against something internally. The case of my computer was coming apart. I just thought it was a small problem, so I took it straight to my husband Andy and I said... Perhaps I ought to take it down to the repair shop straight away before any more damage is done to it. They can put a few screws back into the case. Yeah, tighten everything up again and my computer will be as good as new. So Andy agreed with me and we got in the car. We went down to town and walked along to their computer repair shop. I was ahead of Andy. I was quite anxious to get my computer in there, get back home again. So striding ahead, one and a half steps ahead of him, dashed through the door, And the owner of the shop was there. I didn't even let him greet me properly. I just said, I've got a problem with my computer. I hope you can help me by fixing it. And he said, well, I don't think I can do anything today. And I cut him off and I said, no, it doesn't have to be done today. Sometime this week, maybe. And he said, yes, yes, there's a form on the counter over there. Perhaps you can fill in the details. I didn't have my reading glasses with me, so I said to Andy, Could you do the filling in of the form for me? So he went to the counter, got a pen, and started filling in the details. And that gave me a chance to look around the shop. And all of a sudden, I noticed that the door that we had walked through, the one I just pushed my way through a a minute or so earlier, a glass door, there was a big hole in it at the bottom. Somebody had smashed this big hole in the glass door. And then I noticed that there was a policewoman standing to one side of the shop counter, and she was dusting for fingerprints. And then there was a lady sitting on a couch by the window, and she was obviously the owner's wife, from what I could hear. And they were ringing around security firms. And all of a sudden it dawned on me that the shop had had a break-in. So I turned to the owner of the shop and I said, Had a break-in? A bit obvious to say, I guess. And he nodded, and I said, was much stolen? And he said, all the new computers, and he pointed to the empty shelves, and I thought, how didn't I notice those empty shelves before? And then he added, well, a few of our customers' computers got stolen as well. And all of a sudden I wondered, is it safe to leave my computer here? It's full of information that I wouldn't want anybody else to get hold of. What if a criminal came along and got my computer and the password which i just given to the shop owner and not only sold my computer on to somebody else, but accessed all the websites and accounts that I have online. So I didn't know what to do for a moment. And then I said to the shop owner, I don't suppose the criminals will be back again. I don't suppose they'll return to the scene of the crime. Wouldn't that be rather stupid? And he agreed, but I guess he would want to agree. And just at that moment, the policewoman said that she had found some very clear fingerprints on the cash box and a few others as well. And I thought to myself, what criminal would come in and steal computers without wearing gloves? Surely nobody would be that stupid. So would a stupid criminal who stole computers without wearing gloves, return to the scene of the crime? Well, I hope he won't, because my computer is still in that repair shop. It turns out that my computer is more damaged than I first thought. It needs more than a few screws to get it going again. Actually, it needs $770 worth of work on it. I nearly died when the repairman rang me the next day with a quote for repairing my computer. As I said to him, I could almost buy a new computer for that money. Maybe not the same model as mine, because mine cost quite a bit more than that. But yes, I could buy another type of computer. So I undenied about this and talked about it with Andy. And he said, Sue, you've got to have a computer. You need your computer back. And so we decided that yes, we would have the computer repaired. But it's taking a long time to get the spare parts ordered in and to get the computer working again. I thought it would be maybe a two or three day job. The repairman says it'll take more like two weeks. So I'm recording this podcast on an old computer. At first I didn't want to use any computer. I came home ...from the repair shop, and Andy said to me... ...shall I get one of the old computers working for you again? And I said, no, I don't want to blog, I don't want to podcast... ...I don't want to go on Facebook, I'm fed up. I don't care if I don't have a computer for a while. I need a break. I'm going to do something different for a while. And one of the things that I did, instead of going online... ...was to read some books. And one of the books that I am reading, I still haven't finished it... ...but I'm quite a way through it now is a book by a man called Cal Newport. It's called Deep Work. And he talks about how we can lose our ability to focus, to concentrate on the task at hand. How most of us have lost our ability to do deep work. We get easily distracted. And it is easy to get distracted these days with uh, such things as the internet I'm always sort of hopping from site to site, wasting time, clicking here and there, chatting on Facebook. Yes, I understand what he's saying. I used to be very good at doing deep work, but it has been quite a revelation to me. Well, I guess, maybe deep down, I knew that I wasn't concentrating very well, but to have it come to the forefront of my mind, to have to face that fact that I'm not doing deep work. I'm wasting a lot of time. Now, Cal Newport doesn't have social media. He has never had social media. He works a full-time job as a computer scientist. I think he's a professor. And he has written five books in his spare time. And that spare time doesn't include his family time. He comes home from work and he has his free evenings. He doesn't get on the internet, doesn't go visiting Facebook, doesn't work hard on his writing during times when he would rather spend that time with his family. So he has given me a lot to think about. I'm thinking, do I really need social media? Now Cal Newport says no, none of us need social media. What if I want to spread the message about unschooling? What if I wrote, or finished, my unschooling book, how will people get to know about it? Surely I need social media. Well, most people online are giving that exact message. You need to be connected in. Have a Twitter account, Facebook account. Tell people what's going on so they know. A Newport has a totally different opinion. He says, do good work and you will be found. I guess that's a big challenge. Since I've been thinking about Facebook, I find Facebook very, very overwhelming. It's a bit like being an introvert and having to go to too many parties. All that information that comes hurling towards me, it's okay for a little while, and then I feel I can't keep up. I have made too many connections with too many people, and I can't maintain all the friendships, all the responsibilities that go with, say, a Facebook group. I can't answer all the emails. Keep up with everything that's going on online without feeling that I'm drowning in information. I never get to the point where I feel I've got my head above the water. And so I've been thinking, do I really need Facebook? I've already got rid of Twitter, but that was no big loss because I hardly ever went over there. I never got my head around Twitter, how to use it properly. But Facebook, I've been very involved with that for a number of years. But yes, do I need it? If I closed my Facebook account, my Facebook page, would my blog die? Would I lose all my friends? Or would people come looking for me? Would people notice I wasn't around? Would they make the effort to come and find me? Because of course, readers of my blog know my blog address, even if there were no notifications on Facebook, would they make the effort to come to my blog anyway to see what's happening? I don't know. Would you? I think I lost a lot of readers, blog readers that is, when I moved my blog from Blogger to WordPress a few months ago. I know that some people were keeping up with my blog using the Google or is it Blogger gadget the one that goes in the sidebars of Blogger Blogs. And when I visited a few of my friends' blogs to read their posts, I did glance in their sidebars and I saw my blog there. And I did notice that my blog was stuck at a post that I wrote quite some time ago. Yes, it wasn't updating. And I thought to myself, do my friends think that I've stopped blogging because there's no new notifications Well, that's exactly what some people did think, because it has taken some of my readers quite some time to discover that I am still blogging, and I'm still blogging at the same address. They just hadn't visited my blog, so they didn't know. So maybe deleting my Facebook page is a bit risky. I haven't quite decided. All I know is that social media sometimes is too much and it would be lovely to have some space, some time. So I wonder what you think about social media. Do you ever have times when you want to run away from it? Do you ever deactivate your account for a time? Does that help? Do you return feeling refreshed? Have you ever deleted your account entirely and never gone back? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Of course because you're listening to this podcast and my computer is still in the repair shop you will know that eventually I accepted my husband Andy's offer of an old computer he dug one out he did all the updates for me got it working for me so that I have a computer to do whatever I want online again but before that happened I discovered Netflix We've been having a lot of trouble with our internet speed. It's been really, really slow. And maybe three weeks ago, Andy got on the phone to our provider and asked if there was anything they could do to help us with our line speed. I think he was on there hours and hours. There were lots of testing. The conclusion they came to was that there are too many people using the lines. We need an upgrade. There's not much we can do about that at the moment but their providers said that they would send us a new router which might help they also said they would send us a telstra tv and we got very excited about this a telstra tv we chatted about what we would use an extra screen for could we play games on it put it in the living room connect the Wii to it get rid of our old television so we said to andy when is our Telstra TV coming? And he said, well, they said about three days. So three days later, the mailman knocked on our door with a parcel. And we looked at it and we said, well, that's not the Telstra TV. It's much too small. A little parcel, a sort of square parcel, a little cube, um, a few centimetres each way. We had no idea what it was, so Andy opened the parcel. We all stood around having a look. And he said, you won't believe this, but this is the Telstra TV. It seems that it wasn't a television after all, even though it's called Telstra TV. It's a little gadget that allows us to stream from the internet. We can watch movies and things from Netflix, Stan, some of the TV channels like ABC, iView, YouTube. Yes, videos and movies can be streamed from those channels directly through the Telstra TV onto our screen a bit like a Chromecast but we don't need to use our computer well we were a little bit disappointed that we weren't getting a big screen TV that is until the evening when we wanted to watch a movie now together with the Telstra TV we got a number of special offers and one of these is a free 6 month subscription to Netflix so I signed up and in the evening, we sat down to watch our first movie using the Telstra TV. And it was wonderful. So I think it's going to be really good, the Telstra TV. So we're not quite so disappointed after all. we just watch everything on our old screen. It just made me think, though, that even though we pride ourselves on keeping up with technology, sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes things slip past us that we don't know about. The world is changing very, very quickly. So I've been watching movies on Netflix. I've actually been catching up with Downton Abbey. I know most people have watched all the series already, but I'm a bit behind. I'm that type of person. I never watch movies or read books when everybody else is reading or watching, which is rather convenient because by the time I get around to wanting to watch or read these things, the books are back on the library shelves. I don't have to wait in the queue. The DVDs are probably being offered on sale at the shops. They're no longer new, so we can get them at a discount price. Yes, I don't have to compete with other people to watch or read. So I've been watching Downton Abbey. I'd heard that it was good. A lot of friends told me about it. At one time, it was all through my Facebook feed. And I decided to find out what all the fuss was about. Now I'm not sure I like Downton Abbey as much as other people do. I love the setting, I love all the costumes, I love the era the series is set in, all the historical details. I'm not too sure about the characters. In particular I don't like the ones that are nasty, the ones that bite other people's backs that are always out to make trouble. Now, I guess you can't have a series where everybody is nice. It's the nasty characters who provide the conflict, who keep the story moving forward. Yes, some of the storylines I wasn't too sure about. I know everybody is going to tell me I'm wrong, but it is a perfectly wonderful series. Anyway, I decided that I would just watch one more episode before I made up my mind about it. So I've been watching one more episode, and then one more episode, and then one more episode, and I've worked my way through five series of Downton Abbey over the school holidays. And I hear that there is one final series. At the moment, this series isn't on Netflix, so I can't watch it. So I've got to the end of what I can watch as far as Downton Abbey goes. And I guess it is good. Because otherwise, I wouldn't have got to the end of the series. I would have given up a long time ago. But regardless of the merits of Downton Abbey, it has awakened my interest in that period of history. I went looking on Amazon for books associated with the Downton Abbey time period. And there are a lot of them. So I'm going to do some research, some googling, maybe buy a few books see if I can find some other documentary-type programs about the time period that Downton Abbey is set in. I would also like to read about the people who used to live in Highclere Castle, which is the place where Downton Abbey was filmed. I guess this is an example of one thing leading to another. We start with a popular series, and yes, we spread out in all directions trying to find out more. This happens quite a lot to us. A movie or a documentary or a mini-series will be the start of some very exciting learning. A few days ago, my daughter Imogen said to me, well, what are you going to be doing this year, Mum? Are you going to continue podcasting and blogging about unschooling? And I was having a really sort of downish day. All I wanted to do was sit and watch Downton Abbey. And I said, I don't know. I think that this year I'm just going to unschool and be a professional Netflix watcher because I found some other things I want to watch on Netflix. Yes, I'm going to fill my afternoons by just sitting around watching documentaries and miniseries and movies. I'm going to do that after spending the morning with Gemma Rose, our youngest daughter. And she said to me, Mom, I can't imagine you doing that for the whole year. Yes, you could do that for a short time. But I bet that one day an idea will occur to you and you'll turn Netflix off and all of a sudden you'll get excited about something and you'll be off again, wanting to learn new things, to get involved online again. Whatever it is, you'll find something that you want to do. And I guess she's right. Sometimes we just need quiet breaks from things and then... Ideas start to occur to us. Maybe actually we need quiet times. I think it's the same for our children. They need times where they're not particularly involved in big passions, big interests. Time just to relax, read books, go at a slow pace. Because while all that's happening, things are happening beneath the surface. Things that we read, things that we've heard about, things that we've been watching... Lots and lots of ideas are sort of fermenting within us. We don't take much notice of it. Maybe we don't even know that this is happening. And then one day, we have an idea. And we get excited. And we're off again. I've witnessed this a lot with my children. Times when I've thought that they'd never be excited about anything ever again. I should learn my lesson. Because always, after a quiet time, they return and they do fantastic things. Yeah, great ideas. Great enthusiasm for learning again. They're off. And I'm hoping this will happen to me. Now I did have a small idea a few days ago. I don't think it's the big idea about what I want to spend all my time doing this year. It's just a small idea. And small ideas are okay, I think. Maybe it'll be a stepping stone to something else. And this is where the catholic cheese comes into the story i've created another blog i think creating blogs is something that we do when we don't know what else to do well it's something i have done a lot of in the past what shall i do next create another blog and i get really excited sometimes the blogs last like the unschooling one sometimes they don't but they fulfill a purpose for a time and i thought to myself, what shall I blog about? I talked about it with the girls, and I said to them, look, I haven't blogged about anything Catholic for a long time. Now, I don't want to have a blog about prayers and the latest novena and write about the saints and all that, but I would like to tell a few stories and mention such things as going to Mass and what we've been doing as far as the faith goes. Low-key Catholic blog. Maybe just tell all the ordinary stories of our lives on a blog. Not worry about whether they have anything valuable as far as unschooling goes. So I thought about it. And I created the blog, but I needed a name. And I went through loads and loads of names. There were ordinary ones like a Catholic unschooling family. Really boring. And then one day, an idea hit me. And I rushed out to find my family who were all busy doing other things because they have no shortage of things they're interested in at the moment. And I said, I've got the perfect title for my new blog. I'm going to call it The Catholic Radical Unschool Cheese. They all raised their eyebrows and looked quizzically at me, waited for me to explain. And I said, That title has all the important words in it. And Imogen said, like cheese. And she's right. Cheese is very important. We love cheese. So that's what my new blog is called. The Catholic Radical Unschool Cheese. I'm hoping to have a bit of fun with this blog. Experiment a bit with my writing, which I haven't done a lot of. Recently, yes, I've written a few blog posts here and there, but basically I've been writing what I think other people want to read. But I want to just experiment, play around with some words, tell some stories. Have a bit of fun with the cheese. I've linked both my unschooling blogs, the main one and this new one, which only has one post on it at the moment. But I hope that you will hop over and read that one post. Maybe by the time you do hop over, I might have more than one post on there. But that's something I am feeling excited about, because I really feel I need somewhere that will encourage me to do more writing. I don't think it matters whether you're Catholic or not, because I'm not going to make it an overly Catholic blog, as I said. So please feel welcome to come to my blog. At the very least, you might like cheese. i have probably been talking for a long time i guess that's what happens when i have a break from podcasting there's always so much to say do i have time to share a little bit of family news well i hope i do Because I'd like to tell you about Sophie. Sophie is my 15-year-old. And over the summer school holidays, she got herself a job. She's working in the kitchen of a village cafe. One of my sons is working there as an apprentice chef. And he helped Sophie get the job. She's really excited about the job because the money that she is getting from working, she is going to use to buy extra photography equipment. Because you might know that she is an avid photographer and videographer and that's what she really wants to do as a career. So this casual job will allow her to buy what she needs to further her passions. Well, I've been buying her things that I can afford, but this will allow her to buy the expensive things. So this has been a new stage in Sophie's life, getting her first job. Having money of her own to spend, Apparently, she's doing really well at this job. I guess there's not much skill in being a kitchen hand, having to help with food preparation every now and then, rinse dishes, fill the dishwasher, wipe down benches, go out to the front and sometimes help in the front of the cafe as well. Yes, that's not very skilled labor. But she does all that with a good work ethic. She works really hard. And already her hard work has been noticed. My son Duncan is in the same position. Whenever my son Duncan is not in the kitchen, the chef is always praising him, singing his praises to Sophie. The chef says she doesn't know how she'd cope without him, because he is a very hard worker. He does his job well. He is learning all about cooking very quickly and is willing to have a go. But it's not just the cooking. He's willing to do the dirty work as well. And I think this comes from unschooling. Unschooled kids aren't afraid to work hard. They don't need anybody else to push them along. They give their best to the job. And it doesn't really matter what the job is. I think we can take interest in any job. We can do any job to the best of our ability. It just depends on our attitude. Talking of attitudes, Sophie and I were talking about chores again the other day. She wants to write something about it. And she says that the parent's attitude about chores is essential. If a parent looks on chores as a problem, then children will look on it as a problem. If parents complain about the chores all the time, children will also complain. But if a parent looks at chores with a good attitude, so will children. Chores are a time when we can chat together, help each other out, give of ourselves, have a bit of fun as well while we're doing them. I guess our attitude affects the way we look at the world. Yep, we can complain, I've got to go and stand out there in the sun and hang out the washing. Or we could say, hey, it's really lovely out here today. Thank you for standing here and helping me put out the washing and chatting about things while we're doing it. The same with washing the dishes we always have time to chat with each other have a bit of fun while everybody is in the kitchen cleaning up at the end of a meal another piece of family news is that imogen has a new music video out on youtube well she will do by the time i finished editing this podcast because the music video is being uploaded Right now, as I'm talking, it's the first one of the new year. So we're in for another year of making music videos. We actually only filmed it yesterday morning. We went down to the river. Oh, I think we got there before 6 o'clock in the morning, maybe 5.45 before the sun rose. It was hard getting out of bed about 4.30. But we were there on time to get the cameras set up before the sun rose filmed it pretty quickly, and then had a picnic breakfast before returning home. Now this song that Imogen is singing is an Irish folk song, another a cappella song that she wrote the music for. She said she just started with the melody line. I think the piece of music that she found was actually for guitar. But she elaborated, made her own version of the song with about 27, 28 voices. I'm not quite sure of the number, but quite a lot. So she's put a lot of hard work into it. Imogen is doing several Udemy courses at the moment. Two of them are about mixing music. A general one about mixing music and one about mixing vocals. So she's hoping to learn a few new techniques, extend her knowledge. The other Udemy course is about promoting music. I'm hoping that this year will be a year where she will get herself a bit more known. Get her music out there a bit more. Last year was more of a learning year. But this year, I think that she'd like to actually record some music to sell. Sophie is also doing a couple of Udemy courses. Her ones are on photography. And I have enrolled for one too. Mine is about developing WordPress themes. A coding course I haven't actually started because the course details are on my computer that is in the repair shop I guess I could go to Udemy and work it all out again but I can't be bothered I will wait till I get my computer back before I start tackling that course so that's a bit of our family news a few things that we're doing a few things that are going on with my blog some of the thoughts that have been going through my head. I suspect that I've gone from one thing to another in a disorganized kind of way. But I'm hoping some of what I've said today is interesting. I think there's only one more thing to do before I finish this podcast, and that is to invite you over to my blog or blogs, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and perhaps you could hop over to the Catholic Radical Unschool Cheese. That blog is actually at the URL www.sueelvis.com, but you can find a link on my Unschooling Stories blog. If you do go to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, you might notice that I have a new page of unschooling resources. Yes, I put together a long, long page of things that I hope will be helpful to anybody who is unschooling. I'm not sure if I mentioned that in my last podcast, though I did mention it in my newsletter. The resources are on my blog, as I said, but I've also made the page into a free ebook, a PDF ebook. So if you would like to download a copy of my big page of unschooling resources, you could visit my blog. Go to that page, and at the foot of that page, there is a link for the PDF ebook. So I hope the book is helpful. I included a lot of websites that we like to visit, ones that we are exploring. The ones that I'm really particularly interested in at the moment are the maths ones. I found a few new ones with lots and lots of interesting things that I could strew in front of my girls. I'm hoping they'll be as interested in those sites as I am. So I think that's everything. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of my podcast and I hope to be back very soon with the next one. Until then, I hope you have a wonderful, unschooling, adventurous week. And don't forget to trust, respect and love unconditionally.